Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome. Welcome to Emmanuel versus Dracula, an exciting edition of the worst idea of all time, Emmanuel season. Season Emmanuel. It's been so difficult knowing that both Emmanuel and Dracula are intellectual properties that exist in the world and yet never seeing them come across one another. And so what a relief it was when I discovered that someone had taken care of this huge cultural question mark and finally answered the question, what would happen if Emmanuel was to attend a close friend's bachelorette party in a remote house set on the hills, the and hills. Dracula was to be passing by, his car was to break down, he was to come by, be invited into the house. Crucially. and um, Because vampires can't enter uninvited. Have his wicked way with the ladies of the bachelorette party. But then, twist, that ain't Dracula. We only see Dracula at the very end, and then Emmanuel and he engage in a high, the highest stake fuck ever. Yeah. Because if Emmanuel comes harder, she becomes queen of the underworld, serving as Dracula's wife. But yeah, if Emmanuel can make him come his brains out, then he will release he has to let all her friends go. Which I just think is so disparate. Those stakes. Well, not the same. She should have negotiated for, like, something cooler. Uh, she was under a huge amount of time pressure and general pressure. It's it's uh, just for clarity, uh, because the way that we, we phrased it there is that if Emmanuel comes harder, she loses the... You know, traditionally, if you're having sex, coming hard isn't a... It's not a loss. No, this is like a soggy biscuit-style approach Ooh. to um, challenge orgasms. Orgasm challenge. So you 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 want to be responsible for making the other person come as hard as they can in this in in the world of this bet. Yeah, and uh, Emmanuel succeeds. Well, no, she doesn't. She they're does. At, they're at a sort of stalemate, and then he. No, oh, he, no that's right. He loses. He eh? concedes. He says, and then he says, "I lied." You're too much woman for me. But then he says, "I'm not known for keeping my promises." And Emmanuel, conveniently, who is holding a stake, 
kills him. Yes. And all of the women wake up and they're all very groggy and hungover and they say, I don't remember anything, but you know what that means? I had a good time. And we say, That's not what that means. And then Emmanuel's made them eggs and the bachelorette says, you clean my house, you made breakfast. And Emmanuel says, the eggs are getting cold. And we don't actually see them eat the eggs, but you've got to imagine they all go and have eggs. That's the whole film. Let me tell you about Rolf Kanifsky, who is the guy who um, wrote and directed this film. So he's first of all, is he a bigger Dracula or Emmanuel fan? Because it was impossible to tell by watching this. I thought he gave both of them equal footing. Equal You're out of billing. your fucking mind. Emmanuel was barely in this movie until the last. She was in it more than bit. Dracula. Uh, well, but not in the same way because there was a Dracula stand-in for most of the film. There was a middle manager. There was a guy Dracula. we thought was Dracula, and then it was just a twist to be like, no, this guy it was is like Dracula. a floor manager. Yeah, or a um, surrogate, a Dracula surrogate. It's like when Obama couldn't make it out on the trail, so they'd send Joe every now and then. And now look at him. He's the president. So, And Joe Biden, Kanifsky, no, Barack Obama has a production deal with Netflix. Real role reversal, eh? Real fall from grace. Yeah, remember all of the <laughs> all the movies that Joe Biden made when he was vice president from his production deal with Netflix? <laughs> yeah. That was so good. Knivsky's directed 15 of his own films. I don't know how many Joe Biden has. 14. Yeah, I think it is 14. And he's written on several others. So he, the main thing I wanted to get to is Knivsky, the guy who made this movie. His first ever film was a comedy horror and it was called There's Nothing Out There. And it was a parody of horror films. And one of the lead characters was a guy called Mike. And he had seen every horror movie ever made. Big fan. So he found himself in a set of circumstances that were unfolding like a horror movie. But he knew all the rules. Yeah. So he was like circumventing all the bullshit that normally catches them out. Like running up the stairs when the murderer is chasing you and stuff. Now here's the thing about that. That is very similar to the character of Randy in Scream, mm. right? Yeah. Randy knows all the shit. Yeah. So it kind of like he dodges, you know, yeah. the murders. But There's Nothing Out There came out in 1989. So it predates Scream by like, what is that, five years or so? When did Scream? Nine, 95, I think, so five, six yeah, years. Six years. That is incredible because also that predates, that is like a really, it, it sounds quite... um played out as a premise for a film now. And I know that there would have been parody films in 1989. I just wasn't abreast with all of them. But that's quite a, a cunning and brilliant device mm. to sort of have a lot of fun with the genre that you obviously love. You've imbued your love onto the lead character. And you can play around with all of the tropes that you've come to know so well. Knivsky directed this film when he was 20. What were the uh, notes on the film? People like it? Um, let me... Let me check the reception. People, people didn't know about it. Tom Becker of DVD Verdict, which, as we all know, is the authority on cinema critique and analysis. Tom Becker concluded in his review for D- DVD Verdict. DVD Verdict is such a good name for a review website. Yeah, that won't age. <laughs> he said in his review, a call of slightly loquacious release from Troma. There's nothing out there as a... Fun little film that's worth checking out. I don't know who Troma is. Oh, maybe that's the production house or something. 
So that sounds positive for a first release. A review in Video Hound's cult films and, uh, sorry, cult flicks and trash picks said, this is in their, in their review, in general, this no budget parody of screen schlock is barely better than the dreck it imitates. Oh. So I would call that a mixed uh, critical reception. And that would be generous. But it's all about the premise because, like, I'm on the Wikipedia page for that movie itself, for There's Nothing Out There. 350k budget, so that's very small. Um, but, you know, when you're 20, it's a lot of money. Uh, the film satirizes horror films. and So this is literally under the production segment of the wiki page. The first fact is that he was 20 years old. The second fact, the film satirizes horror films five years before Scream will be released. Oh, wow. It's very defensively written. Sounds like someone's been in there mucking around I'd with see, the, uh, the paragraphs. I'd say so. Old Rolf. Um, so he's, the crazy thing is, Rolf, he was born in 69. <laughs> so, of course, he'd do this film. Very nice. But that means he's only 51 now, right? 52? Nice. 62. Oh, 59, 40 plus 20 is 60. Yeah, 62. Are you doing maths? What are you looking at? Trying to. I just did it for you. It's 2020. He's, 50, he's 52. One. He was born in 69. Oh, 69. Yeah, sorry. I thought you said 59 for some reason. Why would that be nice? What would be nice about 59? It's a great year. Guy. What? Born right before the swinging 60s? Oh, guy. Um, what else can I tell you about this movie? I fucking hated it. I can tell you that. Tim hated it. Tim it had really a really boring. bad attitude. It he was very negative out, towards the movie and everyone in the room the whole time. came out in 2004, um, which was, you know, this movie's very of its time in a lot of ways. It's got that 2004 look and feel where everyone started filming on 720p digital cameras. So everyone was like, it's high def, baby. And it's like, wait, why does everything look like a soap opera now? And um, the dress sense is very uh, naughty as well. There's yeah. a lot of chokers. But it's, na- it's naughty gothic. Sm- smoky. Um, so what would happen is... Uh, makeup. The middle management Dracula would pick off the woman of the bachelorette party one by one and he would have sex with them or just use mind control and then when they were in the throes of passion, he would nibble on their necks and yay, verily, they would become vampires. And when they were vampires, they would then be transformed. They would heavy eye makeup, have a lot of hair product in, chokers, the lot. Guy and I like swore black and blue that the guy who plays the sort of minion Dracula, who's Dracula for most of the film, but then turns out not to be Dracula, that he was a magician, like a real-life magician, because he does a lot of the fucking hand stuff. There's a particular way of confidence speaking, and when I say confidence, I almost mean it in the context of like a con man. Well, that yeah, it's the genesis of con man, right? It's, a, yeah. all, it's all a confidence trick. Correct. Uh, Marcus Deander is his name. And he would explain to the woman... When he was going to do mind control, he'd explain how it was all working in a very sort of sinister magician way. And if we've got any fans who are magicians, all power to you. Way to apply yourself and learn a skill. But also, stop. <laughs> um, it, I thought it wasn't in his IMDb, but actually it's the first credit. So I think this might have been his first film at like credit as an actor. But he, this dude has gone on to do a lot. 13 Reasons on Netflix. 
That was on Netflix, eh? Mm-hmm. 13 Reasons Why. Um, MacGyver, which I did not know that they rebooted MacGyver like five years ago. He's um, in NCIS LA. Oh, wow. Yeah, the dude's the dude's been mucking in. Well, it's a shame that he didn't get to say what I thought was a guaranteed line for the movie. What's that? I want to make you come. It would have been great. Would have been really great. Hello, Emmanuel. It is me, Dracula. Well, if we're going to start fucking around with crossover properties, Emmanuel on Sesame Street. Why not? Yeah. She meets Big Bird, opens his eyes to the possibilities of Big Bird sexuality. Big Bird doesn't have a cock, but if he figured out how to use that giant fucking beak of his, he could show a lot of people a very good time. Yeah, you'd have to be careful, though. There's yeah. like a, a thin line, a thin yellow line between um, injury and ecstasy okay. with Big Bird. Top five fuckable Sesame Street puppets. Go. Oscar the Grouch. Number this one. This is in no particular okay. order, but they're all in there. Snuffleupagus. No, I, I need I need the name and then I need one uh, just a sentence on why. Uh, well, Oscar the Grouch. Um, if you're if you're if you've got low self esteem, you're feeling bad about yourself, and you want to have like a pity fuck with someone who lives in a dumpster, Jesus, that's where you go. So dire. Uh, Big Bird. Generous, huge, <laughs> inventive. <laughs> <laughs> very up, very joyful. And also, I, I feel like I'm open to direction. <laughs> I feel like if you're doing something... Big I bird, actually don't. I think he's one of those guys when the door handle shuts, he's in charge. <laughs> things, oh. things flip a little bit. Snuffleupagus at third position on this top five. Snuffleupagus, um, he's dependable and he's a little bit freaky, but he's not too freaky. Yeah. Um... Genuinely struggling to remember some more Sesame Street characters. I guess Bert and Ernie are <laughs> on the on the scene. You don't though. get them individually; they come no, as a pair. They absolutely a pair. They're yeah, they're one sexual entity. And uh, what what appeals to you about Bert and Ernie? There's two of them, isn't there? Yeah, they can do a lot of a lot of fun things. You like the idea of DP with Bert and Ernie? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And then who else is on the street? Elmo, the Cookie Monster, I'm not the Count. Up. I'm not bringing Elmo Rover. into our sordid affairs. Um, wait, what were the other ones you said? Cookie Monster, number one, with a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's saying when he keeps, like, I mean, it's just a euphemism. He loves munching cookies. He'll do anything for a cookie. He's Limp biscuit, baby. He does it all for the cookie. Yes. <laughs> 100%. So he's just, he's thirsty as fuck. Mm. Cookie Monster, man. He wants it. So I think Emmanuel shows up and um, people get quite freaked out by her because she doesn't sort of match the usual tone of... Um, hey, hold on. There's someone at the door. Street. Come in. Come in. I, I feel like I should be here for this. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, George? Yeah. i got an idea for you. Yeah. Emmanuel on Sesame Street. Mm. So, so Emmanuel comes in, and I'm going to pick the Holly Sampson Emmanuel for this. Mm. She's still kicking around. Mm-hmm. She's got an Instagram account. I think we could get in touch with her, and as long as we can convince Jim Henson's production, is that who makes Sesame Street? Mm. I don't know who makes it. Oh no, it's that kid's um, PBS. Oh no, wait, they sold it. Oh fuck, I don't know. Whoever runs Sesame Street these days, we'll get in touch with them. 
send them an Instagram DM as well. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it a group chat. So the so idea wait, is, sorry, yeah. you're going to make it a group chat with Holly Sampson and Sesame Street. Whoever runs Sesame from Street. From whose account? Mine. Fantastic. So Emmanuel shows up on Sesame Street. Yeah. And she fucks her way through Timbat's top five top fucks on Sesame Street. This sounds magical. Yeah, it's really good. And um, interestingly, the only roadblock she hits is Bert and Ernie, who are not into her at all. So they sort of have to have a um, a chat about that because she's quite hurt because Emmanuel is so used to being the object of desire for every person that she comes across. Intriguing. And so this is kind of like the first time she's had to um, eat her beans, so to speak. Have you heard that turn of phrase before? No, what eat does your it beans. Mean? It's sort of like uh, eat humble pie would be another way of saying it. I guess <laughs> experience humility. Be humbled. She's she's being humbled in the arena. That Have she... some bean pie. Yep. I guess that sounds gross. Bean pie. Yeah. That's so weird. What kind of beans would be in it? Like baked beans. One of every bean. One of every kind of bean. Pintos. Baked kidney. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all of them. Jelly. <laughs> jelly pinto. <laughs> jelly beans. Yep, that is a bean. Refried. So um, Emmanuel and Bert and Ernie actually don't fuck, ultimately. Mm. Mm. But they, do, they, 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 they masturbate in the same room together. All three of them? Yes. Simultaneously. That's how they sort of negotiate their way through. I really like that. Yeah. And um, I've got to say, I've been stopping by a while. Yeah. Nothing's quite taken my fancy like what you're describing so far. Sesame Street Emmanuel? Yeah. It's the ultimate crossover event. We're going to need to get those DMs out there. Yeah, big time. Big time. I think it would inject a bit of relevancy into both franchises, weirdly. You know, like I think it's beneficial for both. I think Sesame Street's doing okay. I don't know, man. I feel like it's on the wane. I think they sold, they sold themselves to like Netflix or something. Come and play, everything's hey-okay. George, I didn't realize you had such a beautiful singing voice. You should do the theme for this movie. In fact, we could just, rec- we could just, I think I'm recording this conversation. Oh. I'll just cut that. Okay. I'll put that on, um, get someone to master it, put some instrumentation behind it, and we're done. Watch Emmanuel Fox. The street. Can you show me how you come? How you come on Sesame Street? Bert and Ernie masturbating one by one in a bathtub that's full of cum. Can you show George Lazenby how to get to Sesame Street? How to get to Sesame Street. All right, nice to see you, George. Really nice to see you. Don't forget your hat. Bye, boys. Something fucking sinister about that guy, and that is coming from the mouth of a guy who just pitched a Sesame Street Emmanuel crossover porno. I don't mind him. I feel like it's probably more important for him than it is for us at the moment to get in and have those chats. Yeah, I just hope that we could sort of jump on the grenade and he's not exposing his dark energy elsewhere. 
But it's a it's a fine line between enabling the guy and letting him vent so he doesn't have to do it. I just can't else. get the idea of sort of this Emmanuel <laughs> Sesame Street crossover happening and then George Lazenby kicking in a door <laughs> with the top of his boner poking out of the collar of his shirt. <laughs> I reckon he'd get a producer credit. He seems pretty enthused, and I think he's still got some of that convention. He's still got, yeah, he's still got some money, yeah. money coming in. It's fantastic. Uh, what, a, what is your shining light? That's a great. Really abandoned that segment for the Emmanuel series, by and large. But what was your shining light of this movie? Um, which we have talked about not very much, and I we, don't want to either. We've done all right. I think. Uh, this uh, I'm I'm trying to remember anything in particular. The 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 sort of close up magic element of the middle management Dracula was really nice, and I think um, when he like when he first when he first arrives at the house, mm-hmm. and we know it's Emmanuel versus Dracula, so we know there's something up with this guy and all of these women who they call themselves a coven. They're old university friends, all the attendees of the bachelorette party, and they sort of all quite all quite horny and also all quite down on the concept of marriage. Uh, he arrives. Well, no, one of them's been married for four years and says that she absolutely loves it. Yeah, because she's got a new friend, Walter. And Walter is the vibrator. Yeah, Walter never gets tired if I just change his batteries. And then one of the women is disgusted by the idea of using a vibrator. Yeah. And then, anyway, then... Dr- I think they needed to explore that more, to be honest, because it seemed like she was repulsed by the, by the idea of... Um, Sex and veg- sexuality. Veg- vaginally inserting anything, including a penis. And then Dracula Which arrived. is all G, but it seemed like something A that, bigger conversation. Well, it was a surprise for all of the gals. And, um, yeah, this woman seemed singularly repulsed, so I think maybe they, they could have talked that out. It's difficult, isn't it, if you've got... If you're at a friend's bachelorette party and you're going through something or you sort of unearth a, a topic of conversation that you've never really opened up about before. and you, Turns out one of you is asexual, and that's where you find out. And you really want to have that conversation, but also it does feel a little bit like you're stealing the thunder from... Yeah, it's like wearing white on someone else's wedding day, turning up to a bachelorette party you're and not, being ace. Say that first bit? Don't wear white on a... Oh, shit, what did I say? Is someone's so wedding day. wear white on a wedding day? Yeah. Oh, I went to a wedding last week. Yeah, what'd you wear? It's not important. You dumb fuck. Did you wear white? Did you wear a bone did you wear a bone white suit? Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be killer. I wore a bone white suit. Yes. Shirtless. Huh. And I had mime makeup on my face. Your mime makeup on. <laughs> yeah. Bold choice. Yeah. It didn't go down well, but maybe for different reasons. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There was a photo knocking around online very recently of a mother-in-law who came in a white dress to her son's wedding. And usually I don't care for that sort of internet fodder that gets shared among the boomers on Facebook, but I tell you what, I was very tickled by that whole situation and just having a bit of a think about that poor woman who's married into this family's life. What were people saying? <laughs> they were like, this is absolutely wretched. <laughs> this is dog shit. What, you, what was funny as well about the photo is that she was in like quite uh, elegant um, white wedding dress. Yeah. The mother-in-law was. Yeah. But the... The mother of the bride was in a real chill <laughs> outfit, yeah. like it was a nice kind of skirt or something, but it wasn't a whole. She had she had not only picked entirely the wrong color, but also had way overshot the sort of tone <laughs> of the wedding. You feel like you'd be pretty intimately knowledgeable about the tone of the wedding and being a parent of wedding uh, etiquette. One of the uh, weddings. Are, it's it's crazy how the at the wedding the the fella. This is at a heteronormative wedding, but the fellas standing at the aisle, milling around, saying hi to everyone, and then we must hide the woman. Yes, what's they're, with that? They're a surprise. I don't, like it's all the patriarchy, isn't it? You know, people still love that. It's the it, it's that whole thing of like lifting the veil and whatnot. It's the reveal. Yeah, mm. I think it's all tied in with virginity and how they used to Be bloody virgins. rate it. Yeah. Which I think was mostly to do with um, people think that virginity was all. T- I mean, it kind of. I here's what I think happened. I think the church kind of took that over, that virginity value thing, because they were. It was it was more tied up with like land bequeathment in your succession line. Virginity was well, yeah, because like you have to have had no kids until you get married off to the guy because if you've got illegitimate children they would have a claim on your titles your land whatever so you got to keep everything very fucking controlled right and so that you can just shit. cleanly hand it over to the guy to like your children who your parents planned out your you know family tree kind of thing mm. you don't you don't want to let people fuck that up and do what they want to do because then you get some rando kids out there who are going to come for your title and your deeds and whatnot. I think that's what it's all about. So then the church just assisted the state with being like, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's got to be a virgin because uh, God said. It's like, that's not it. Incredible. Fuck. Um, well, all that to say, when Dracula... Yeah, what, yeah, wind me up. When Dracula arrives, 
and uh, starts talking, and they say, "Would you like to come in?" And he sort of just handles himself really well. He's, he's, he does. He's really, he's got terrible sideburns and a horrible little trucker beard, but he's, he's, a, he's a classy guy. And they ask him, and he asks if he can use the phone. They ask him, and they say, "Do you want a drink?" And he said, "I'm okay for now." And um, I just thought it set up the movie nicely. The way he handled it, the way he played it, was really cool, and, and that was my shining light. Yeah, we liked him. Yeah, we liked him when he came in. We said, "This is." As, but this as is tell a cool you what, character. as soon as they let him in. You know, it they went. Started to, messing yeah, around. it was. It became bad. Yes, that's true. Sat down at the dinner table. Someone offered him some garlic bread. He said, "No, no, I never touch the stuff." And we were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Emmanuel's garlic, because later on there are a couple of male strippers who show up and they get um, turned into vampires. And one of them is about to turn another one of the women into a vampire. And the woman picks up a piece of garlic bread and puts it on his face, and he. Dies? Evaporates? Yeah. They evaporate into dry ice steam in this. Pretty cool. Carbon dioxide. Um, How would you handle a vampire? Hmm. Well, there's a good question. I think, what are we applying just the sort of traditional rules? Traditional vampire well, actually, rules apply. I floated this in while we were watching the movie. I think I would get a little bit creative because things like garlic, they're everywhere, man. You, you could get access to garlic. So say I'm trapped in a house. Chances are there's going to be either some fresh garlic or, um, you know, that pottle that you have in the fridge of, like, crushed garlic mm, pottle yeah, yeah, yeah. cooking. So I get a bunch of garlic and, like, boil it up and then put that garlic water in a spray bottle and rock around with that. Yeah. It's a very, like, no-fuss way of just kind of squirt well, it yeah. like you squirt a cat when it's up on the bench and you then they would have to avoid you a bit. Much easier job cleaning up in the morning. Or... Eat a shit ton of garlic so it starts coming out your pores of your skin. Aye. Or just rub a bunch of garlic on yourself. Yeah. I think the spritz option is the tidiest. Yeah, it's all external though. They could catch me unawares and off guard. Whereas if I wear the garlic, that's like a... That's, that's but, quite a classic is a bunch of garlic strung up on a piece of twine. I don't trust the cross thing that they reference in this film, and it's always a very messy, like, uh, you know, where is the line of what constitutes a Christian cross that's going to They made some them thin off. crosses too. Yeah, just out of some bread and butter, and some butter knives, some silverware. It's just taped together. They taped two butter knives together, and they were like, this you can't come near me. It's yeah. like, okay, okay. And the vampires were totally nonplussed. Yeah, they're they like, I can, I can come near you. Yeah. Missed an opportunity here. Interesting to think of a porno that is scored entirely by spooky music. <laughs> really, really difficult to come to that stuff. Dang. At one point, Tim said, I need this to stop being scored by minor chord panpipes. Yeah. It was so upsetting. This is just awful. The tone was all off. It's very hard to get any kind of, um, not just arousal, but even in the fucking zone, even just to enjoy the movie, you know? I liked the bit. Um, this guy's too attached to the idea of it being a horror movie, and it's like what you're I mean, trying to do is make a porno if, with elements from Dracula. It's not like I'm going to make. And music is the worst element as well. At least there's something psychosexual about the visuals of horror, but they just took shitty, like off-brand production music from a bad horror movie and, and scored the movie with this. It's a boner killer. Think about it relative to Emmanuel's pie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, I love that Emmanuel is having a lot of fun with itself now. Yeah. And that 
I mean, it is incredible to think of the journey that we've we've walked to come here, like from the sort of genuine erotica and like sort of high society European cinema yeah. that we were watching, the Sylvia Cristel days of Emmanuel. A debutante on the silver screen. Through like this transitional period with Lazenby and Emmanuel sitting on the plane, sort of reminiscing on... on Faded glory. Conquests gone by. That was the Emmanuel Faded Glory series. Like we, And then all the way through the Emmanuel in space, Emmanuel 2000s, like we've been on a genuine journey. And then now I feel like... The franchise itself, with respect to its self-awareness of this mid-2000s period, it's like, okay, people know the Emmanuel brand. They recognize that if we put the name Emmanuel on it, they know roughly what they're going to be getting with respect to body parts and eroticism. And, and so, an accidental vagina in this one. That's right. Two, actually. Two accidental vaginas. Um, and so now they're like, well, what can we do? I feel like we've established you know, our imprint on the franchise. We're enough removed from the European one that we don't have to worry about being faithful to that. Let's have some fun. And they're not always succeeding, but they're at least having a red-hot go. You're dead right. I love that they're trying. And they're very str- – like, this was very strong because it had uh, a definite look mm. and feel. Yeah. Because it was Dracula. So they made all the women dress up in goth makeup. Yeah. And that's cool. I like that they were taking some swings for the fences. And they shot a lot of stuff to make this movie, to make this bad it's, movie. It's such a simple, also like it's a classic simple premise all set on one night film, which is a, like, you know, that's an enjoyable sort of genre. It's like... If you do it right. It's a classic end of high school, super bad, book smart style thing where it's like we've got one night to do this. And this was all like, there's a bachelorette party. The whole movie is set across the experience of one bachelorette party. And they did the classic fucking five-year-old storytelling thing of closing it with essentially that was all a dream as it far as anyone except Emmanuel do you reckon we could make a pretty good porno at this stage you and I well I think you described a pretty incredible porno not so long ago that's true um Tim I'm going to be honest with you this experience has done nothing for my desire to create or consume more porn I don't think question. that we could make a very good porno I don't think this is a very good. I don't think we're steeped in what makes quality porn by watching these films. Yeah, I mean, if you if, can't get good at something by surrounding yourself with bad examples of. Well, the I mean, I guess on like a very rudimentary level, it's useful to know what to avoid or what bugbears that you carry with you from this franchise mm-hmm. and all of the missteps that we believe to our tastes it has made. I guess it would be like after the first season of this podcast, us being like, we can make an ensemble comedy because we've seen Grown Ups 2 so many times. Yeah. We know how to do it wrong 52 times, so I reckon we know exactly how to do it right. Once. <laughs> uh, do, I mean, do you genuinely think we could make a good porno? Yeah. I think we're aware of a lot of the pitfalls now. What are the pitfalls? For, for the two of us. Don't use um, spooky music. And if you're going to make it <laughs> Just better. Don't make it that cheap synthy sound. Make it a cool one. I think also one of, where these movies have been going wrong is that um, show me a dick first of all. Yeah, Can I say that you're not wrong. Show me one solitary penis. Would be nice to see. I think the uh, the we're not invested enough in these characters. If you're going to make a 90 minute porno, I really actually want to be like invested in yes. the in the sexual chemistry Absolutely. and journey. Absolutely, because they. Like, Emmanuel in space, in retrospect, for me, might be a high watermark of this season. We had a really good actor portraying the character of Emmanuel 
we had a genuine seven-film arc. I mean, the guy playing Haffron, I don't know if I'd describe his acting as good per se, but it was very, like, consistent. He stayed <laughs> yeah. being that kind of He was that guy. Guy. <laughs> Undeniably. Yeah, <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And so at least you could sort of latch onto it, and there were, you know, moments of comedy and levity and stuff which really helped as well. But they felt pretty competent. Mm. They were wild. Like the premises were wild, which also added to the fun of it. It's like, wow. Well, it was because it wasn't taking itself so seriously. And that's where some of these ones get confused is it's like there's Manuel's Pie was a comedy, but this one was they, you know, they sort of shot right through the middle of being a porn or a horror film. Because the director, I think, he is like a horror film director. He's presented us with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't achieve anything. You know? Looking in the mirror, not a boner inside. What's that? Just saying that there were no boners. Really? Tim? Hey, boner inspector. No. <sighs> but George Lazenby was here moments ago, and he, I mean, he was good to go. You, you would have loved you it. you got to see it. It's disgusting. <laughs> it is gross. Wish I could. It's gross for us, but um, I tell you what, hang around after just, if you could just wait outside for now, because yeah. we're done here. Okay. You us. And I'm going to see if I can coordinate a time to get you and George on. Um, That'd be lovely. Because I just hate the fact that you guys keep missing each other. Okay. Okay. See you, boners. Very well. Bye. Not even close for me this week. At no stage. At no stage. Oh, one thing that we haven't really mentioned very much. Maybe we haven't. I've forgotten. Manuel is really not in this film. The the woman who plays Emmanuel in this one, she's got um, an Eastern European accent, which is fun. Yeah. Um, but she really doesn't feature until the end. It's Yeah, it's difficult because... You're focusing on the plight of everyone but her. She is the most sus of all of the women at the bachelorette party this guy arrives and she's the movie opens it has a cold open which is set in Emmanuel's subconscious she's it shows us a dream that she has where she's having sex with a vampire and then what do you know the next day she's at the bachelorette party and the very same person from her dream arrives who is this middle management vampire and so the whole film Emmanuel's like I've got a bad feeling about this guy I'm not so sure about him and all of the other women at the bachelorette party are horny and want to fuck him and more or less do and so the whole movie Emmanuel's role is pretty much walking around the house going I got a bad feeling about this I don't know about this guy oh no and then eventually you get that lovely high stakes coitus at the end but prior to that you're just watching a beautiful blonde Eastern European woman worry about the livelihood of her friends just worrying just a lot of worrying pottering about the house she actually, uh, uh, just reminiscing, then gave me a great memory that the start of the movie, The Bachelorette, is um, on the phone to Emmanuel getting ready for the party that night. And she puts a big roast, or it's actually just a big unroasted chook in the oven to roast. And then she takes out a pre prepared salad. It's the morning. That's a good point. This 
Bachelorette party's not kicking off for about eight hours, but she takes out a salad on like a silver serving She's tray. She's prepared the salad before the chook has gone in the oven. It's been refrigerating overnight. It is lettuce and one carrot cut into three pieces, and she drops it onto the rug, which is next to the fridge in the kitchen, picks it up, puts it back on the plate, and then just starts running it under the tap. Why did they show us that? Because, like... I really thought that would make a comeback in terms of someone to get food poisoning or something. It's like, why would you spend time lingering the shot on this this rinsing oh, off of it, well, but I tell you why, dishes. actually. You, you've in literally sitting on this moment for long enough, you've reminded me why, because Garlic. the shot of the water running on the salad becomes a crossfade into yeah. bubbles being poured into a champagne flute. That doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't it justify it being in We're there. watching a film. Oh, Fuck, that's called a match cut. Well, match me up with some more match cuts because it was beautiful. <laughs> Triumph of cinema. Um, all right, listen. We've been talking for 36 minutes. Yes. I'm fucking done on Emmanuel okay. versus Dracula. Fair enough. Do you, you, do you want to talk any more about it? No, I want to talk about this. If you're listening and you're in New Zealand, buy a ticket to Auckland. And once you're in Auckland, <laughs> make sure it's on Thursday the 20th of May because... There can only be one, the best host of all time, our live show in a giant fucking room at 9pm on Thursday, May 20, as I've said, is happening. Uh, please come along. Tim and I will pit our wits and various other you physicalities. Know, physicalities and mentalities against one another to finally decipher which of us is the superior host. It's also streaming online, so no matter where you are, you can watch it. At the time of recording this, I haven't got a link up but um hopefully by the time the episode comes out i will so check the episode description notes that's for right. a link you animals i've also got a solo show it's called classy warfare classy happening in auckland warfare. auckland and wellington only in new zealand no streaming there show's not good enough might not, be though show's not good enough to stream i think it will be maybe it will i'm be. excited for this show tim mm. your stand-up comedy is I mean, I know that you're very busy at the moment, so you're probably not performing as much as you'd like, but when I see you perform, I think Tim's onto something here. Oh, thanks, mate. Just fucking keep hitting it. Guy's show is keep called... Keep ripping it. Guy Montgomery by name, Guy Montgomery by nature, and it is also in both towns, Auckland yeah. and Wellington. You must, you simply must attend. That's right. It's a very Guy Montgomery heavy show. If anyone else says that they've got more Guy Montgomery per person in the show. It would be incredible if they did, if someone pulled that off. I'd be impressed. I'd be impressed if they pulled it off without my knowing about it. Yes. Because I'm Guy Montgomery. Do you know the one person who I think could maybe do that? You? Tony Lyle. (laughs) How? No, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, look, goodbye, and please don't watch Emmanuel vs. Dracula. I can't recommend it, and I also didn't give a shining light, but if I had to, it was... Mm, the mutton chops on the guy with incredible facial hair. I'd like to say this as well. I want you to, after the at the end of this, I want you to pause the podcast and wait until you're going to bed. And then this, I want this to be the last thing you hear tonight before you fall asleep. I want to make you come. Tim hated that. That is grim. <laughs>
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.